This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. You can find the link for Dancing You Yarns shop at nevernotknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. everyone. Thank you for joining me for episode 13. Welcome. Thank you for all the comments you've left on the blog and Ravelry group over the past couple of weeks. I'm so glad that there was such a positive response to last episode. So, it's been a few weeks since I've recorded, so I have some new knitting news to share. First off, I finished up my Seibu Modern Hat, and it's perfect. I love it. I was really nervous about knitting it since my last experience with colorwork knitting was such a tragedy, but it all worked out just fine. Stranded knitting, when done sloppily, can be bunchy or full of gaps, depending on if you're knitting it too loosely or too tightly. The key is to keep even tension when switching colors. The method that I chose is a two-hand method of knitting. I knit the brown color in my right hand and knitted all of those brown stitches in the English style and I held the gold color in my left hand and used the continental method to knit all the gold stitches. This was a bit frustrating at first. It wasn't hard switching between the methods. It was just strange and irritating for me to knit English style since I only knit continental. I just could not figure out how to hold my yarn at first and have it easily slide through my fingers. It felt so foreign to me. It seemed like I had to stop and readjust my yarn and grip every other stitch. Needless to say, this made for some slow going progress at first. But with time and more practice, as with anything else, it became less awkward for me. How do any of you knit English style anyway? It seems to take so much longer. Even though this method of stranded knitting was a bit cumbersome, I can imagine that it is a whole lot faster than dropping one strand and picking up the other using the same hand each time. I've also heard of a way to hold both strands in your left hand and using the continental style to pick the strand you need as you go, and I couldn't quite figure that one out. So I'm happy with the method I chose, and it did keep the tension really nice. Another tip I followed related to stitch tension is I spread out the stitches slightly on my right hand needle before carrying the other color over. This kept my work from being too tight. I also made sure to keep each ball of yarn on separate sides of me while I was knitting to avoid any tangling or strands twisting together. These useful tips made my Seibu hat knitting experience much, much easier, and I would be sure to use them again in my next colorwork project. I must say that the hat truly came together when it was blocked. It really softened and relaxed the Shetland wool, and also the blocking smoothed out the stitches so nicely and created the beret shape. I've decided that a beret style is so much more flattering on me than a regular watch cap or beanie style. I just can't seem to pull that look off. You can see the pictures of my finished Cebu Modern hat on my blog, 
and also on Ravelry. I love the way the hat looks from far away because you can't see any of the stitches, but just the beautiful two-color design. It's so pretty. I'm really happy I chose to knit this pattern. Also, over the past couple of weeks, I've started um, two more sweater projects. What? Okay, yes, okay. I know what you're thinking. What about your Sienna cardigan? Yes, I know. In episode 11, me and Sienna, we were, we were like this. I just loved, loved that project. But what can I say? Time has passed. We become too familiar, too comfortable with one another. The excitement is just gone from our relationship. I tried to knit a sleeve the other day and I was just not feeling it. The fact is, the fire between us is gone. I hate unfinished projects though, so I'm going to make myself get back to it. And fairly soon here, because I really don't think it would be a smart idea to finally finish it in the middle of summer. However, those two new sweaters, unlike Sienna, are fun and exciting. One of them I'm not going to tell you about until next time, but I will tell you this. It's squishy and textury with lots of cables and baubles. It is so cute. But you'll have to tune in next time to find out what it is. The other sweater I'm working on right now is another design project. Right now I'm really enjoying designing children's garments. They are fun and super quick. Recently, I found two awesome colors of Monos Cotton Stria in my stash in a pretty um, watermelon green and a nice bright watermelony reddish pink color. And I could only think of one thing, a watermelon sweater. And not for me, because that would be really weird, but for my daughter, who's three, who can really appreciate a sweater that looks like a watermelon. It's the same construction idea as the Playful Stripes cardigan that I just finished. It's knit in one piece from the bottom up. I'm also doing a yoke style on the top again because I really like this design construction. It offers so many options for the top and I just needed that nice blank page for me to work the watermelony part into the watermelon sweater. I'll be posting pictures of my progress so that you can see what I mean. And this time I'm not going to make the same mistake again. I am going to make a size 2T for my daughter. And hopefully that will fit better. I have mixed feelings about this Monos Cotton Stria yarn. On one hand, I love it. It's kettle dyed, so the color is not a true solid, but comes out kind of tonal looking, darker in some areas, lighter in others. It's interesting and beautiful and soft, so soft. One of the softest cottons I've worked with. It's one single ply, loosely spun, cottony strand with a cotton thread wrapped around it for strength. And then this cotton thread also gives the yarn texture because it's wrapped around it tightly. So it gives the yarn kind of a zigzag or kinked look. And this is kind of the reason why I don't like this yarn. 
The slightly bumpy texture looks absolutely beautiful knitted up, but it's not super easy to work with. The texture paired with the stiffness of the cotton fiber doesn't allow the yarn to slide as easily as working with, say, a nice smooth springy wool. I don't usually like working with the straight cotton for this reason. It just has no give. I usually go for cotton blends, not plain cotton. That being said though, I think that the cotton strea is a good yarn for what it is. It's soft and the colors are unique and gorgeous. And so far it just looks beautiful in the sweater. I'm doing the finishing touches on this design right now. It's given me some problems and done a lot of misbehaving, so much in fact that the other night I had to rip out four inches or so and that was really disappointing. But I think I got the look that I want finally and so hopefully this design will be available on my blog in the next couple of weeks. This episode's knitting tip is brought to you by a listener with the Ravelry ID of Chris to Emily. Chris would like to remind the listeners that when decreasing to get a nice line in your work, to remember that at the beginning of your needle, you need to work an SSK decrease, and at the end of the needle, do a knit two together. And I completely agree. The SSK is a left slanting decrease and should be worked on the left side of your work and the knit two together or right slanting decrease of course needs to be placed on the right edge. Then as you're working your way up your knitted piece, the decreases line up really nicely and make a pretty clean slanted line. When I'm working on a flat piece like a sweater front and I'm decreasing to shape the armholes, I always work the decrease two stitches from the edge. This leaves me with enough room to seam the sweater together in the end and it makes the seaming process so much easier, it's unbelievable. Now, on the subject of an SSK decrease, which stands for slip slip knit, many knitters are not happy with SSKs. They seem to never turn out quite as neat and tidy as a knit two together decrease. So they don't seem to match. The knit two together on one side of your work looks nice and neat, and the other one has a tendency to be looser and more sloppy. So some have come up with ways to solve this problem. According to knittinghelp.com, if you slip the first stitch as if to knit and the next stitch as if to purl, and then knit the two stitches together through the back loops, this is supposed to make that SSK lay flatter. This website, knittinghelp.com, has some great instructional videos that you can look at if you'd like to find out more about these techniques. And I'll be sure to link it. Another SSK technique that I just found out about is by Kat Bordy, and she has a special technique to create, as she says, slim and trim SSKs with no more wobble or flab. And this is done by using her hungry stitch method. The key to this method, okay, stay with me here, is to slip the stitch before the future SSK decrease, one row below, or on the setup row. Then, when you come to that slip stitch on the next row, or the decrease row, you pick it up just as you would a dropped stitch. The stitch you are slipping is the stitch Kat refers to as the hungry stitch, 
because it didn't get fed its yarn on the setup row. So when you feed the hungry stitch by weaving it up on the decrease row, it is actually tightening up your SSK and it makes it look a lot more tidy. And there's more to this technique as well, but you better go check it out for yourself. Her hungry stitch instructional video is on YouTube and I will be sure to link to it in the show notes. I recommend watching this video because she is a very good teacher and she explains the technique very well, way better than I can through just an audio explanation. Now I definitely think it's time for me to announce the winner of last episode's drawing. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 12 was entered to win three skeins of Jameson's Shetland wool that I talked about last time. And those of you who sent me knitting stories to share on future episodes were entered in the drawing five times. So without further delay, I'd like to announce that the winner is Miss Colleen. Congratulations. I will get that sent out to you shortly. Thank you to everyone who participated. And if you didn't win and you would still like to give this yarn a try, don't worry. You are still able to use your Never Not Knitting discount through the end of the month at Dancing You Yarns. This is an awesome opportunity for those of you who don't have this yarn available locally because not only do you receive a discount, but also free shipping. I'll put all the details of how to do this on this episode's show notes. Recently, I posted a thread on the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group to tell you that I will be going to Stitches West this year. I will be there with my husband Friday the 27th and Saturday the 28th, and I'm really excited about going. I'm not really going to buy yarn. As you all know, I have a lot of yarn at home, and also last time I almost gave myself a heart attack trying to figure out what to buy, so no pressure this time. I'm planning on not buying anything, just looking around. So. We'll see how that works out. Anyways, if any of you are going to be there and you see me walking around, please don't be shy. Come and say hi to me. I'd absolutely love to meet you in person. Also, I'll be hanging around the entrance when the market opens on Saturday around 10 o'clock. So if you'd like to, please drop by and say hello. I'm planning a little giveaway for everyone who meets up. And also, I'm going to bring a portable recorder. I'd love to find out who you are, where you're from, and hopefully get a little Stitches compilation together for the following episode. Speaking of the following episode, since episode 14 is due to come out March 1st, I'm going to have to record it before I go to Stitches. I'm not going to torture myself trying to get a show recorded and edited all in one day, especially the day after coming home from a trip. That would just be too much. So I'll record it before Stitches for episode 14, and then episode 15, which is due out March 15th, will contain all of the Stitches highlights. I can't wait. This episode, I have another knitting story to share with you. This one is brought to you by Becca, or Knits with Penguins, on Ravelry and her story will be read by me, and it's the story of the magical earth 
and the AstroTurf. If it takes forever, I will knit for you till my hands are gnarly and the veins turn blue till I can't remember where I put the yarn. I will knit for you before I buy the There is a reason that I haven't posted to my blog since July. I had issues that kept me from writing about anything that wasn't related to this long, sad, gut-wrenching story that filled me with tears, frustration, and anger. What? Me? Bitter? No. No way. Let me explain. Every summer, I enter my knitting in the California Mid-State Fair. This past year, I decided to combine entering the fair and making something that a friend had asked me for at the same time. He had asked me to knit the Magical Earth Shawl by Sandy Turp from A Gathering of Lace. And this shawl was going to be for his sister. This was a dear friend, and I told him that I would knit it, but solely on the condition that I could also enter in the fair. It's a tradition for me to enter a lace shawl, and I would not have had the time or the desire to knit this one and then another one to enter. I also knew that I would never, ever attempt this kind of knitted mayhem again. But I digress. Here's the story. The Magical Earth Shawl is roughly a 60 by 60 inch shawl knit on size 0 or 1 needles. It's chock full of beautiful stitch motifs with an intricate lace edging. This project was huge. So much work. I rated this project as difficult, not because it was necessarily difficult to do, but because of the sheer insanity of the scope of the thing. This was a project of a lifetime. But I was committed. I worked on this shawl between 8 and 16 hours a day. Every day. Well, nearly 7 days a week. Because of my hard work, I was able to finish the shawl beast in a ridiculously short amount of time. Two months and one day of knitting. I lost a week of knitting time because of the pine tree motif. I just didn't like the way the corners looked, so I ripped back 32 rows. That translated into 32,488 stitches that had to be re-knit. Of course I counted. Oh, and also, I modified the center motif to be an eight-spoked wheel pattern instead of the moon that it called for. I was quite pleased with how it turned out, but as I mentioned before, I knew that I would never, ever do this again. Finally, it was the opening day of the fair. I waited impatiently during the time I dropped off my precious knitted and crocheted babies to the opening day. You see, I look forward to the fair like a child looks forward to a special event. I love wandering around the different home arts and garden buildings, constantly amazed by the handcrafts and talents of others. This year was no different, except for one itty bitty, teeny weeny, minuscule really, little detail. 
I wandered around the Home Arts Building with my beloved, looking at every display and noting what I had entered and if it had won a ribbon or not. Ooh, oh look, there's my baby blanket and oh, it won first. Look, honey, there is the bunny that I knit the pink outfit for and she won a third prize and so on and so forth. But, but wait, wait. Where, where, where is my shawl? My beautiful shawl. The one I worked so hard on and the one that is so very beautiful and that, that I'm not even keeping. I don't see it lovingly draped on one of those displays. Where on earth could the magical earth shawl have been put? Then... Then I see it, my baby, my masterpiece, this delicate item that I had labored over for a dear friend. <gasps> there it was, tossed onto AstroTurf oh, no and buried way. under other items, wrong side up. Not only was my magical earth shawl mishandled by being stretched out on AstroTurf, but someone in their infinite wisdom of all things knit, decided to judge it as a crocheted tablecloth. Aww. No, I'm not a knit snob. I knit and crochet. I just knit a whole lot better. My vision blurs. I feel faint. I get sick to my stomach. Then I get angry. Not only do I get angry, I also get annoyed infuriated, fuming, mad, livid, irate, heated, cross, furious, incensed, enraged, outraged, infuriated, ireful, wrathful, indignant, and choleric. Needless to say, I was a tad miffed. I was worried that when I picked up my items that this shawl would be damaged to the point that I would not even be able to send it to my friend, and that all of my work was for nothing. I couldn't and I wasn't going to knit this thing again. Ordinarily, the reclassification would not bother me. I would have laughed it off and wondered if they had also picked a Dalmatian dog as the best Holstein cow. They both have black spots, don't they? But. One would think that someone chosen to judge the home arts division of a county fair would be able to discern the disparities between items that have either been knit or crocheted. You would think. So, the shawl was a bit snagged, but I repaired it with no signs of damage. And I mailed the labor of love off in early December. I have released the shawl and released most of the negative feelings associated with the unfortunate event, but I'm still indignant. So are some of my fellow knitters who know the story. We have a right to be. Crocheted tablecloth indeed. By the way, it won third place.
Thank you to Becca for sharing your story with us. I had the privilege of seeing the Magical Earth Shawl in person, and I have to say that it was unbelievable. Probably the most intricate and beautiful knitted piece I think I have ever seen in real life. If you'd like to see a picture of the Magical Earth Shawl, I will put a link in the show notes to Knits with Penguins Ravelry page and also to our pictures on photobucket.com. If you have a knitting story that you'd like to share with the podcast, please email me. I'd love to feature it on a future episode. You can find the show notes for episode 13 on my blog, and that's at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 13. I'll see you at Stitches West. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she's just knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. Yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.